Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to episode 14 of The Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. In this podcast, I'm going to give you insights on the autism spectrum, break down some of the myths surrounding it, tell you stories about my experiences on the spectrum, as well as the marriage I have with someone else on the spectrum, and allow you to have a window into my life through conversations I have with friends and family. Most importantly, I hope you learn something from this series, as well as have fun listening to it. So without further ado, let's get into it. My guest today is a guy named Taylor. Uh, He was a fellow counselor with me at Royal Family Kids Camp, a camp for abused and neglected foster children this summer. And uh, I'm actually on right now to talk about um, his experience in in his place of work and what he knows about the autism spectrum and how he's been able to uh, help parents um, with uh, kids in that area or other uh, mental health issues. So thanks for coming on, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background in kind of coming into this mental health agency? Like, what is it exactly? What's your job? That type of stuff? Yeah. So um, the place that I work at is called Schuyler County Mental Health Association. Um, It's a nonprofit rural community mental health. Um, And so with it, like we do mental health, substance abuse, those types of things. Do have psychiatric services. Um, my background: I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree in social work, and I'm currently getting a master's degree in social work. Where, like, a lot of my classes I'm taking have to do with um, children with learning disabilities, autism spectrum, things like that, like the school setting, effects on you know, trauma with kids, and things like for that matter. Um, I have worked in a school. Um, with children who had behavioral disorders, autism spectrum disorder. Um, basically, when kids would get to a point where their behaviors, the schools didn't feel like they could maintain an, like an appropriate academic setting or standard. And so this classroom was for those children so they could not only have their behavioral needs met, but their academic needs met as well. And, and that's where I got a lot of kind of like hands-on experience with, um, like, oppositional defiance disorder, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, all those sorts of things. And then I started working at the mental health agency in 2019, um, and I've been a therapist there ever since, and I've worked with predominant children at that agency. And um, would you say that, did, did you know um, a good amount about uh, the autism spectrum before you started working at this agency, or was, the, was it the agency that really opened your eyes to that? Um, I more or less knew, like, about the disorder and, like, I guess you'd call them, like, the theories around it, like, the idea of what is autism spectrum disorder, Asperger's, like, the DSM-4 stuff. Um, when the DSM-5 came out, um, Asperger's got taken on out of that like it's not a separate entity it just got put into the same diagnoses and so i mean there there were a lot of trainings that i got to go to that kind of went more in depth but the hands-on part um i kind of got that experience from the agency itself just because i got to interact with kids in a manner where i got to lead certain activities or lead different like I don't want to call them like projects, but like I'd, I'd have tasks and things just to kind of like get kids to be more comfortable. 
someone talking and along that like you could identify different types of behaviors that are either you know more typical or atypical for what you might see with a, an aged child sure uh, basically one of your jobs is like kind of to um, you know, analyze, uh, analyze kids, see where they might be at, and then you give recommendations to parents, right? Um, sometimes. So it's not, like, one of the primary jobs. Like, my job would, my primary job is to do, like, assessment of, like, what's going on. So, like, um, sometimes parents will want to start services because, you know, their kids are struggling either academically, behaviorally at home, and, like, they don't understand why or, you know, their kids are having a hard time expressing their emotions and the parents don't know how to talk with them or work with them, so they'll come to us and we work with the kids and families to teach the kids coping skills, teach them how to express their behaviors, how to understand their emotions, how to talk about them, whether it's orally, visually, you know, help them create their own type of language to where their parents and them communicate, their teachers, and within that, if there's a if there's something that we notice that then we can refer them to our psychiatrist for like further diagnosing or there have been times where I've made recommendations to where, hey, you know, you should contact this hospital because they do global assessments, you know, because there might be something more than what I can like diagnose here that they can test to, you know, like where there's like processing delays, sensory disorders, things like that. And also the autism spectrum. So, though it's not like a part of our primary job description, if we see it, we do it type of thing. Sure. And so, what were some of the things? I mean, what were some of the things that stuck out to you the most uh, when it came to kids on the autism spectrum? And uh, how differently do you think they would act versus um, adults with it? Um. So. <clears throat> There, there was one client that, like, popped my head. Um, ADHD and anxiety was, like, the main thing that we were working on. And it, it was kind of like that funny thing where, like, when you think of those two disorders, you have, like, a certain behavior in your head, and then this kid's doing, like, none of that. And you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, and so, like, you know, the, the typical, like, where the eye contact is, um, you know, that, that's always, like, the main go-to with it, but if they have speech at any point, like, they learn to make that contact, so that one can then be outruled. Um, a lot of times you play with emotion, so, like, you express an emotion, and how they either take, take it or express back to it can kind of tell you a lot. So with children on the autism spectrum disorder, their emotional understanding is typically more delayed, <clears throat> and so they might not understand why you're expressing the emotion or why or how to express something back. So a lot of times it's looking into how they take in sort of an emotional expression they give or how they express their own emotions to a situation that exists. And so that's a lot of times where, like, I'll do a lot of play therapy and just basically try to get as many emotions to be expressed as I can. And if there's certain ones that I struggle with or 
how they go about certain ones, and I can kind of let them know like where they're at. That sense. Yeah, that's like that's kind of fascinating. So, like, what do you have to do um, to try and figure out if they'll express something like a sadness or anger or something like that? Um. So, like, the anger part, the sadness, like. Those are very, like, a typical thing. Like, when the kid, like, if you take something or make it so they can't have it, a lot of times they will show it, like, like snap. They'll, they'll go into it. And then helping them understand why and express the why is where that delay comes in. Because they'll show it to you, but they might not fully understand why. They'll tell you, like, well, that I wanted that thing, but they can't tell you why not having it upset you know, or they can't give you a reason why they want. It's just like I want that. I need that. I and so, which again, depending on an age, that's a typical response. But if you get a kid who's fourth, fifth grade, so they're like ten, eleven, and they're having that response, that's something you'd expect, like maybe a five-year-old, six-year-old. So there's like some age difference just on that emotional regulation. Um. One thing that I saw a lot was I would play a game, <clears throat> and if they lost, it was this, like, disaster. And I would always play, you know, I would always express that, hey, like, nice job, nice game, let's play again. But, like, if I lost, they'd spend a long period of time rubbing it in that they won, and when we try to talk about how that could hurt someone's feelings, they'll say, oh, okay, but then keep talking about it. Or they'll say, oh, okay, and they'll play again, and then you do it again. So they ha- they have a hard time of, like, regulating that emotional balance. Got it. And what's the age range for these uh, for these kids? Um, the ones that I've seen that have had, well, have autism, but that I have, that I have had seen, um, they're roughly like high elements, so like third, fourth, so like nine, 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 ten. Okay, okay, those were like the typical ages that I had worked with for children. Um, when I was in the classroom, um, there was a kid that I worked with who was 12, 13 with autism spectrum disorder, and his emotional expression, like, he was very extreme on expressing the happiness, and he didn't know, like, boundaries, and he couldn't understand why someone would be upset. And so, but he could tell that you were sad. He wouldn't know why, and so he would try to, like, and, like overwhelm you with love, because he knows if he feels happy, like, he knows what happiness looks like, and he can see, like, he remembers what he does to make feel happy so he just keeps doing that thinking you're gonna show that emotion. okay okay wow um what uh what prompted you to um like join the mental health agency i mean uh were you like well actually what kind of did it take a lot of training i I imagine that you couldn't just fill out an application and your um and on your resume it just said you like worked in fast food for for a couple of years or something <laughs> like that i'm sure it probably involved a lot more right um uh, <laughs> so it's kind of funny so my 
the director had known me because I had gone to school with kids that he had fostered. So, fun fact, my executive director is a foster parent. Oh, um, nice. He's a single dad who has fostered, uh, I think he's like up to 90 kids in his lifetime right now. Oh my gosh. How old is this guy? <laughs> uh, I think he's like 56. Okay, that makes um, a little bit of sense. He's, a, yeah. he's adopted several. He currently still has like two or three kids he's adopted living with him. And then there's like two more that he's getting ready to adopt. Um. With him being my boss, like a lot of times when he gets like a foster kid, I will be the one that sees them, just because like I work with kids, they have trauma. It's just kind of like right there, and like these kids being in DCFS need to have therapy because that's a part of their care plan. So we provided with them that, and so him knowing me, and then like the agency used to do this SAS program where if a kid became homicidal, suicidal, or like quote-unquote out of control like wow. to a sense to where they no longer have control to themselves like of themselves so where they're they are a danger to themselves or someone else um sas would come in and do an assessment to see about hospitalization so <clears throat> we would have kids so when i was in the school i was the only male like the only male um staff for that classroom and so i had shown patients things like that so I was on the first response crisis team, like you know, the, the CPI team. So an escalation would happen. I'd be right there. If it got to a point where like they wouldn't come down, staffs would be called. My now boss was the one that was doing it then. And so there were times where staffs would be called, and he and in the job interview, me going to the mental health agency, he told me that he was confused and impressed at the fact of when. He would get to the school, the kid that was getting called to like, potentially be hospitalized would be calmed down, or like in a structured manner. I remember we had this one kid who, he hit a staff member like really hard and then like took off, and this is a bigger boy. He was like nine, but he weighed like twice of me. Um, and we were trying to get him to like stay in the classroom. The bell was getting ready to ring. He was talking about how he wanted people to run him over. And like the the bell ring. Students are getting ready to come out of the classroom. We're laying in the middle of the hallway and he's like wanting them to run him over. You know, he's at that point. We've tried, you know, offering candy. We've tried I mean everything. Like nothing wow. And like, I don't know why, out of my head, I'm like, hey, you want to go, like, draw turkeys? And that was so far-fetched enough that he looked at me and was like, what? I'm like, yeah, have you ever done that? And he was like, no. Like, get up and come with me, I'll show you how. So I get him up, I get him into, like, our quiet room, and we're making hand turkeys. Oh, my god. And that's, and that's when Sass shows up to, like, assess this kid for a crisis. And we're sitting there drawing turkeys, and he's got a smile on his face. Oh, man. Um, wow. So, you know, like, I had situations where, like, it's, I mean, I, I, I have scars on my arm. Oh. Stuff from being bit, hit, kicked, things like that. And not once did I ever get aggressive because I was patient. Like, I just wanted to be the best for these kids. Wow. Um, so, like, training-wise, going into the agency, I 
realistically didn't have any other than working in that classroom and having a psychology degree. Um, being at the agency, um, I sat, I shadowed some sessions, ones that other clients were comfortable with. Uh, oddly enough, those clients that I shadowed actually ended up transferring to come see me to be their primary. Um, I sat in assessments, I went into trainings to know how to do the assessments, and then, like, whenever there are trainings offered for different types of situations, like, I, I try to go to them. I try to sit in them with their webinars and things like that, um, just because it's, it's always useful knowledge. Um, sometimes they're not as fun as <laughs> the uh, description seems, but... Right, right. You know, but... I, been at the agency for three years. I'm anger management certified. I'm substance abuse certified with the ASAM criteria. I'm DUI evaluation certified. So, like, if I get that process figured out, like, I can offer those services. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I got certifications now, but coming in, like, I I didn't feel like I was qualified, but they hired. Um, and then a lot of that was just kind of confidence because. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. I just know I just knew I wanted to help. Wow, man, that um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and like that stems into like a whole other conversation of like where I was at with my own mental health and basically just kind of relates to being able to be the person I wish I had when I was in that situation. Right, right. Um, I, I mean, I think you probably would have uh, said something already, but uh, are you on the autism spectrum yourself or no? No, I, I am not. Um, one of my really close friends, he was diagnosed on the spectrum. Later, that diagnosis got turned over, and like four or five other diagnoses got put there instead. I think that's because he was using it as an excuse, kind of like what we talked about before, where instead of allowing himself to live or, like, experience things, if something didn't go right or he felt like he failed on something or if he felt like he needed to have an excuse, he would always apologize because he's on, you know, on the spectrum. He would say, sorry, I have autism. And, I, and him and I had a lot of conversations where, like, like man, like, that's not an excuse, though. Like, and it, and it shouldn't be used for an excuse because you're limiting yourself, like, it's an explanation for things, but, you know, it, it shouldn't feel like something that you have to tell people because you did something you feel like you shouldn't have done. Like, you know, that, that takes away from yourself. And, and I think he had talked to his new psychiatrist about that. To me, that's why she probably switched it. Because, I mean, he... He couldn't do social interactions at all. He he came into college, and just getting to have a conversation with him was almost like pulling teeth. <laughs> sure. Like he, he, but he didn't understand how to do the conversation. Like, he would try to talk, and then, like, if you tried joking with him or, like, said sarcasm, he would stare at you and be, like, offended or, like, upset because... He thought you were being serious, no matter how hard of a joke it was. Like, you could have made it a blank joke, and he took it serious because he didn't understand it. Wow. I mean, 
I, I've always uh, said this, like, I can give sarcasm, I can just never receive it, meaning that I can never understand sarcasm when it's being directed at me. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that that's one of the things with like, autism spectrum disorder, sort of like that social, the construct of social interactions. There is, like, the intake and the, um, the give. Yeah, um, for, for me personally growing up, one of the things that always frustrated me is that I was never able to understand um, or uh, interpret facial expressions a lot of the time. You know, like yeah. most of the time I just assumed that everyone was mad at me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, like that makes it extremely difficult to try to like understand things because people are like, if they tell you one thing and you're like, but this is what I think you're feeling, like, you know, it, you, Whose word do you take? Do you take theirs or do you take what you're feeling? Yeah, right. So um, I guess uh, in, in in wrapping things up, um, you know, you went to the mental health agency because you just felt passionate about uh, helping other people, in particular people who struggle with, um, you know, mental health issues or, you know, young kids that are on the autism spectrum. Um, what are some recommendations that you can make for people? Like if there, if there's someone listening to this right now and they, um, feel the urge to help out in some way, what are some suggestions you can make for them? Don't ever be afraid to just listen. The, the biggest thing is if someone is needing help, hear them out. You know, everyone wants to give advice, but the thing of it is there, there are times where people don't need it or want it. Sometimes people just want to be heard because whatever it is that's going on, a lot of times is that feeling of just not being heard. You know, and if it's a time where like they get it out and they ask for the advice, you know, give the best you can and always refer them to a professional. You know, if it's something that is like serious or you yourself don't feel comfortable giving the advice, help them find somebody who's a professional to do it. And, you know, there doesn't have to be an issue to talk to a professional either. You know, like in, in my field, you don't have to have a disorder. You don't have to have a crisis. You don't have to have something wrong with you to come talk to someone. We're here to help no matter the situation. It could be, you know, you're getting ready to do something great, and you just want a second opinion that's not your mom or your dad or your friend who's <laughs> always going to side with you. Right. That's what we're here for. You know, we're here to help. And you'd be amazed at, like, how many people uh, who are in need um, of being listened to, you'd be amazed how many people really don't even want to hear you say something like, uh, something really cliche, like, you know, oh, well, God is there for you. It's like, no. <laughs> they just right. want, they, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, and, you know, it, sometimes, like, Yes, the faith helps, but sometimes that's not what people need in that moment. No. No, I they'll, agree. They'll more than likely accept the prayer, but they don't want you, but they probably don't want to hear it at that moment. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So. I, I've been in that exact uh, situation. It's like, I'd rather you just listen to me instead of tell me, oh, you know, quote this scripture, quote this, whatever. You know, I mean, those yeah. are all good things, but yeah, it, it's, it's not what you needed. No, right. That's that's right. Well, man, uh, honestly, this was this was so awesome and uh, s such a great conversation to have with someone who you know is in this kind of field. Um, it kind of reminds me that I need to talk to more people like this. 
this was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Taylor, and thank you for uh, being on the show. This was awesome. Yeah, not a problem. And hey, if you ever need to talk, I'll listen. <laughs> I, I absolutely appreciate it, man. Have questions about the topics I've covered or the conversations I've had? Want to provide suggestions for autism-related topics I can cover? Email me at vanzotmedia at gmail.com. That's V-A-N-Z-O-T media at gmail.com. And I'll consider your suggestions. Hey guys, while I have you, I'd like to promote a singer and songwriter I've had the pleasure of getting to know. David Angus. David has produced music for me in the past, including the opening song of my audio drama, Mortal Deity, which you can find on my YouTube channel, Vanza Productions. Check out his music on Spotify and download his albums when the clubs come out and his latest, Afters at the Casino. I know he'll appreciate it. Hey guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, write a review to help the show grow, and subscribe to my Substack at thepancakeking.substack.com to receive updates on new podcast episodes, a new blog post every Saturday, and other content I may put out. You can also check out the entertainment me, KG, and my friends make together on our YouTube channel, Vanzot Productions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.